and good afternoon. Hello, Mary. Thank Hi. you for inviting me. Hi, nice having you. Thank you for joining us at this um, episode of Precious Moment. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to this episode with Andrea. Andrea is um, a, an award-winning nurse consultant. She's a TEDx speaker and also the founder of Enhanced Fertility. The purpose of that is to provide affordable, easy access to everyone in fertility and reproductive health. This afternoon, Andrea is going to take us through her amazing journey, the great work she's doing, both um, with enhanced fertility and other things that she does as well. So um, welcome once again, Andrea. Thank you for, for having me here today. Yeah, so please share with us a bit about your journey, your professional and personal journey. Yeah, so I've been a nurse since 2005 um, and I always had this desire to work in operations and operating theatres. So when I graduated in 2005, I started working in a hospital doing all sorts of surgery as an anesthetic nurse, scrub, recovery and I became quite proficient in, in that. At, cert, at a certain point, I was also lecturing at university on the topic of anesthesia. And then eventually when I moved from Portugal to the UK, um, I continued my journey in the area of being an anesthetic nurse, doing some research and also developing courses in that area. But something in my life was still missing i felt that there was something that i hadn't achieved yet and that's when i decided to make a complete career change and decided to focus in the area of reproductive health because i had at that point been living with infertility for too many years i was diagnosed as a very young girl with a condition called MRKH, which means I was born without a uterus. So at that point in my life, I felt I was okay emotionally to dedicate myself to the area of reproductive health um, in a way that I wasn't ha happy to, to do before then. Everything was too much of a trigger uh, when it comes to pregnancy but I was feeling okay, I was feeling ready to do that. So that's when I decided to do this career change, which was very scary for me. Yeah, kind start, of. Start from the beginning, mm. you know, in an area where I wasn't completely comfortable with, but that's how it started really. So that was four years ago. And I started teaching people how to cope with the loss, giving them some of the skills that I had learned along the way, coping with the loss of infertility, and how can you improve the chances of getting pregnant, either naturally or through assisted conception as well. 
So that has been an incredible journey, both for me, challenging myself as a professional and also challenging myself as a person, trying to grow beyond my own wound of infertility. But it, it's something that I absolutely adore doing every single day. Wow, that's amazing. And it's interesting because we have common background, actually. Uh, mm. I'm, a nurse, I'm a theater and anesthetic nurse. Um, yes by um, training as well before going on to do other things just like yourself Mm -hmm. and so I can relate with that and I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate with that as well and it is also an encouragement to both healthcare professionals and everyone actually in the work of life that if you find fulfillment in something just go for it seek support and Mm -hmm build something fulfilling out of it i mean it it's incredible what you just shared with us and i actually just want to pick on um the chances of infertility Mm -hmm. but before we go to that because the title of this podcast actually is talking about fertility and reproductive health so we're not just going to talk about fertility infertility we're going to talk about lifestyle and different ways which you have helped couples and individuals both to come to terms with the loss and both to prepare and also to prepare for um, fertility yes i think that's a, a a great summary of what we can cover here today um but yes that's exactly what my work has been working with patients who are at different steps of the journey this journey usually starts with the realization that things aren't happening happening naturally and quickly as we thought we would i think generally people believe that getting pregnant is very easy and that's because what we have been taught at school parents society is that you have sex and you get pregnant straight away and in reality that does not happen at all so there's only a few days a month when you can get pregnant and even in those months in those days of the month the chances of pregnancy are very low around 20 percent Uh, because the egg is not always perfect or the sperm might not be perfect or the uterus conditions might not be perfect. So there's so many aspects to take into account and humans are not very good at reproducing. So the chances of pregnancy happening are low to start with. And we know that for most of us, around 90% of us will get pregnant within two years of trying naturally. However, one in six will find it a bit hard. So usually we say that one in six are facing fertility problems and might need extra help getting pregnant. It's still a lot of people. Yeah. All it takes is for us to think about people in our family. We have more than six people in our family, more than six friends. We think about work, our where we are working, we know more than six people. So one in six is going through fertility problems but people don't talk about it Mm. so it's more common than we usually tend to believe is it because there's a stigma around it or uh, because people don't 
uh, immediately acknowledge it as a problem? I, I think there is a stigma around it because we are led to believe that pregnancy should be easy. So when it doesn't happen, it comes as a surprise. And because it's not something that society talks about openly, people mm. feel a bit ashamed, even though it's something that is not in their control. I think yeah. people have, for example, diabetes or blood pressure problems, they are more likely to say to their friends and family, but if they have fertility problems, because it's perceived to be something that doesn't happen, a lot hmm. people tend not to talk about it and it's a shame because there's so many people going through it yeah so i suppose we have a lot of work to do there in terms of education awareness um and addressing the myth and the stigma absolutely absolutely so we need to raise awareness because one in six are going through fertility problems one in four pregnancies ends up in miscarriage yes so it does happen quite a lot and the more we talk about it the more people will understand they are not alone when they're going through this and it makes it much easier for them and people are more aware and they are more likely to seek treatment sooner as well if they feel that this is a problem and there are some solutions that are available as well Okay. When you were talking about the times of um, increase in um, being pregnant, conception, mm-hmm. um, does that include the body rhythm or just the particular time of the month? So, uh, I'm not sure if I understood the question right, but there's what we call the fertile window those are the days of the month when we can get pregnant um and that is the day of ovulation we ovulate once a month once a cycle um so and the egg survives up to 24 hours and then the five days before because sperm can survive up to five days so the fertile window, the time when we can get pregnant in each cycle, is the day of ovulation and the five days before. Okay. And outside those days, there is no chance of getting pregnant whatsoever. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. So that's actually like a complete package between the man and the woman and how both can come together to create a life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, so um, how about um, other factors apart from ovulation, the condition of the uterus, the condition of um, both people, both um, we can say partners, husband and wife? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of things that can affect pregnancy. And when we start looking into it, we start to understand that it's, it's a miracle when it mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. Because so many things can go wrong. So for everything to be aligned perfectly, it's it's a miracle of nature. So we need to have our hormone levels correct and these change throughout the cycle. Some hormones go up, others go down. 
to allow the the egg to develop so even though we are born with all the eggs that we will ever have we know that we can improve the quality of those eggs as they mature because every month hundreds of eggs will start maturing and then only one of them will will be ovulated and will be ready for to, to be fertilized mm. so our hormone levels are incredibly important and at that point where we're allowing these eggs to mature our nutrition our physical activity our sleep all of those things can affect our hormone levels so that ends up affecting the quality of the egg and the quality of the sperm as well men produce sperm every day of their lives from the moment they reach puberty roughly around they are 70 so they they continue producing sperm every day but it takes around 74 days for the sperm one sperm to be fully mature in that form yeah. that we know you know with the head and the tail yes and for men it's also important that they have the right hormone levels and it's important that they are at the right temperature so testicles are outside the pelvic cavity and that's because temperature is incredibly important when we are forming new sperm it needs to be around less two degrees than our normal body temperature so the testicles need to be outside the body and everything that increases body temperature in that area scrotal temperature can affect new for new formation of sperm or other things that men do with their lifestyle as well smoking mm -hmm. caffeine there's a lot of men doing steroids you know to look really muscly and that's really bad for sperm wow. so once we have perfect eggs and perfect sperm we need to have sex at the right time of the month so if you, if we have sex during the fertile window then we are increasing the chances of the sperm meeting the egg on, on that side of things we need the cervical mucus in in the vagina to be of a certain consistency because during the whole cycle the mucus tends to be a bit thick and during the fertile window it becomes a bit watery to allow the sperm to swim a bit more easily up the canal so there's a lot of sperm going into the into the um, the female vagina and only one percent of that sperm will cross the cervix into wow. the uterus so it's a very small amount and then the sperm will continue uh, traveling up to the fallopian tube where it will meet the egg and ideally because sperm survives up to five days we and it's a very hard journey for sperm we want the sperm to be there waiting for the egg because the egg only survives 24 hours so the sperm is there waiting and then we have the egg so the whole journey through the uterus needs to have a certain certain amounts of hormones that allow the uterus to be right um, if there's any infections for example that could affect the sperm ability to meet 
the egg or if there are for example any fallopian tubes problems or blockages that prevents the sperm from meeting the egg it could be a problem so once the egg is finally released there's some interesting research that says it's not the sperm that chooses the egg it's not the quickest sperm it's actually the egg that decides of the sperm it has around it which one it wants to to be fertilized with so women are choosing which is incredibly wow that's an eye opener actually because i think from time immemorial the yeah. the belief is that the sperm swims up to the egg and then you know knocks one off and then you know wow that's interesting yeah. that's good to know so there's plenty and women are choosing the the one they want which is incredibly uh, interesting and then once it's inside there's a series of activations that need to happen for the dna to combine the both of them into what will become um the embryo and then it needs to travel down to the uterus to implant and again the hormones are very important to allow for implantation to happen so as you can see mary there's so many things yes. that need to be aligned mm. for the process to work that once we understand it and once we start telling patients that it takes more than just having sex Good, to get yeah. pregnant that it's truly a miracle yeah it is and i think that's the very vital point and a good starting point as well you know for general public education mm-hmm. because even as healthcare professionals there are some things that though we know about science perception gets in the way as well and it's just important to put that out there to people that so many things will happen and also to catch the attention before they get to a stage where there's a problem mm-hmm. i believe because once you know there's that problem then the attention span span rather and the level of assimilation will be different yes that, that's a good point usually we say that for patients who have been trying for a year if they haven't gotten pregnant they need to seek medical help okay um so but we also know that a lot of people wait much longer than a year to see yeah there was some interesting research coming out this year saying that patients wait on average 3.2 years until they seek that initial consultation with a general practitioner and then they wait a further 2 years to see a fertility specialist and then a further 3 years to start wow. fertility treatment so at the end it's almost you know 7 years yeah. uh, of trying to conceive and this is this matters because age is the most important factor when mm-hmm. it comes to egg quantity and quality the older we are the less quality eggs and less eggs we have so that reduces our chances a lot so for everyone who might have a problem they need to seek help soon and us healthcare professionals need to maybe advise patients when they are 
maybe around 35 years old, they don't have children, maybe we can start the conversation and say, look, you're start, you are 35, have you thought about having children? Um, what have you been trying? What are your, your thoughts on this topic? Because um, fertility starts reducing at the age of 37. So we want to start these conversations with our patients to, so that they can make empowered choices. A lot of people don't know that from the age of 37, things are not as as easy as yeah. when you're 20. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's very true. And I think that's um, reflective in the um, cutoff for uh, fertility treatment on the NHS as well. Um, before we go on to the treatments available, let me just address myself to our listeners to say that please feel free to leave your questions either on this platform or on our social media. Andrea will be sharing her social media handles and how to contact her too uh, as we go on. And also, at the end of this podcast, feel free to share and um, follow us on Twitter at Health Icon Awards Zeni Global Health. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and on LinkedIn as well, um, so that we can answer your questions further. Or if there is any other aspect you want us to revisit, because this is not um, a topic that can be covered in thirty minutes or one hour, and we are quite happy to put the education and awareness out there as much as is needed um so thank you once again andrea uh before we go on to um the type of uh, help and the treatment available because i'm sure a lot of our listeners will want to know about available help mm-hmm. and also some of the myths surrounding the different types of help available i want us to uh, revisit nutrition in what yes. area or what aspects of nutrition um, will affect um, reproductive health? And what can we do, actually, to keep that at optimal level? Yes, that, that's a very interesting um, question, Mary. There was a very large study done by Harvard University that followed women for several years and looked at aspects of nutrition that mattered when trying to conceive. So the advice they give is is very interesting advice and can be used by everyone who is trying to conceive. Number one uh, is to avoid trans fats. So trans fats are fats that are originated from vegetable oils that are hardened and basically they they accumulate in our arteries and as you know it can create blockages in several parts of our bodies including our reproductive system and limit the amount of blood supply that goes into our reproductive system they also talk about the importance of choosing the right carbohydrates so carbohydrates that are slowly absorbed instead of quickly absorbed seem to be better okay and that has to do with insulin levels this is particularly important in women who have polycystic ovary syndrome 
Okay. We already have some insulin resistance. They talk about um, drinking plenty of water and avoiding sugared sodas. It seems to be very important for fertility that we don't drink those sugared sodas. Um, and then there's a lot of research on protein as well. It, se it seems that eating less protein is better for fertility and eating more vegetable protein as opposed to animal protein also seems to be better. So there's a few things that our patients can do to feel a bit more empowered in their journey to yes. see if they are living a healthier lifestyle, eating healthier. And it's not only good for this time of trying to conceive, it is good for pregnancy and it's good for the afterwards as well, because you want to give your baby the best possible start in life as well. So we want to make changes that are not changes for now, are changes for a new life, a more healthy life. Wow, that's it. That's that's great. And also, even for general health, I mean, I've learned a lot from this, and I'm actually going to um, take it on board over on um, everything else that's going on around nutrition. Because I know that there's so many things, you know, going on around nutrition these days, even for the general public, and also to bring it home to um, reproductive health. So Andrea, tell us um, where we can find you, what you do, and um, how you can support um, couples, women going through this. Yes, so um, I have a website, andreatrigo.com. I will send you the website so you can put it on the show notes as well. Okay. Uh, they can find me as well on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter as Andrea Trigo RN. Um, and that is the easiest way to find me. I always respond to messages in any of the platforms. So if you have any questions, you can, I, you can very easily interact with me or you can go through my website and send me an email as well. Okay, thank you. Uh, well, this this bit, I suppose, will be um, as important as the other things that we've been talking about. And a lot of people will want to know more about this aspect of um, fertility and reproductive health. And that is um, treatment available. Yeah, so the treatment available. There's a lot of treatments for people who are trying to conceive. Um, it's quite interesting that we've celebrated this year 42 years of the first IVF baby. And the first IVF baby was born here in the UK by a team of British doctors and nurses. So it's very, very interesting that this lady, who was the first, what was called at the time, test baby, baby, yes, <laughs> is is now 42 years old and she is wow. so healthy and she has had children of her own already. Wow. So it's it's a big achievement in terms of treatment because we are as healthcare professionals creating life. 
the treatment is not only about IVF. There are other sorts of treatment. And usually when patients start the journey with a fertility specialist, they go through a physical assessment. We do some blood tests, ultrasound, to see exactly what is the problem. And it might be that the solution is just to have some sort of medication to regulate ovulation, for example, or to regulate any hormone disturbances, and then they might get pregnant naturally. The next step of the treatment would be a bit more invasive, and that would be what we call an IUI, intrauterine insemination. So here we would collect the, the partner's sperm, it would be prepared, and then it would be placed inside the uterus so it doesn't have to swim that fast through the vagina through the cervix it would be placed already inside the uterus but then it would still have to swim a bit higher up to meet the egg and the whole process of fertilization would happen naturally so this is different from ivf yes so this is less invasive than IVF. Okay, okay. However, um, it, it has a lower chance of success. So thank you. Yeah, like I said in my notes to you, I think we probably need to have a session on, you know, treatments available, explain the um, options, the pros mm -hmm. and cons, so that people can make informed decisions, actually. Because yeah. I know there was a time they were talking about a process called gift um mm -hmm. yeah but we we don't seem to hear about it anymore so and i'm sure you know some people may have heard about it and prefer the, that option so um yeah we'll arrange to have a session on that you know maybe in our next um episode whenever you are free to come back on the program yeah, I think that's a great idea to talk about maybe natural options and assisted yeah. conception options as yes, well, how yes. to get pregnant, all the ways we can build a family. Yes, that's true. Um, what role or part does uh, emotional health play in uh, fertility and reproductive health? Yeah, so nurses can play different roles and it, it's so versatile as nurses, we can be, for example, doing patient assessments before they have treatment. We can explain the whole process of treatment as well uh, and support patients throughout treatments during injections, for example. Um, we can also be in theaters when the eggs are being collected or when the embryos are being transferred. And then we can also do the, the follow-up until the patients are transferred to a normal gynecologist. And we can also, of course, provide the emotional support. So as nurses, we can provide so many support, physical and emotional, to our patients. And it's all about the strengths we, we want to explore, the skills we want to explore, and how we feel most comfortable as well in in the role that we want to play in our patient's journey okay thank you so very much um we really appreciate your presence and your contributions this month this afternoon 
it's been really great and it's answered most of the questions that we've been asked um, in the course of this uh, program because what we do, we ask our listeners to send us topics that they want us to address and then we uh, bring that on the platform. And also, um, as our listeners are aware, we do this. And also, there's uh, the aspect of teaching and training to Zenit Global Health and the award ceremony as well, which we have extended the nomination dates because of the pandemic. We know that our colleagues have been busy nursing the nations to health globally. So we've decided to extend the closing date so that we give more people the chance to nominate and also we'll update you about the award ceremony dates which um, we may have to change from normally we have it in October but that may need to be changed as well we'll uh, bring you up to date on that don't forget to follow I always ask our guests to give us three things to take away, like nuggets for our listeners and uh, our colleagues to take away. Yes. So I would say number one is that fertility is more common than we are led to believe. So bear in mind that your patients, apart from all the other medical problems they might have, fertility is a concern. So raise the question sooner rather than later about their reproductive future and their reproductive intentions as well to help them along the journey. The second thing I would say is that miscarriage is also incredibly common. It happens one in four conceptions. So we need to be prepared to support our patients when they have an early pregnancy loss. Patients are becoming aware that they are pregnant sooner than in the old days because they can use uh, a pregnancy test from the supermarket and find that they are pregnant very early on before those 12 weeks, which is when most pregnancy losses happen. Mm. So we need to be prepared to support patients in this incredibly hard thing that is losing a pregnancy incredibly common and the last bit that i would say is to provide the emotional support and when you don't know what to say to a patient just ask them what can i do for you because these patients even though they have a physical problem of not being able to conceive the emotional consequences are enormous and a lot of times as healthcare professionals we tend to be so accustomed to a routine mm. to you know thinking ahead about next patients what i need to do next and we're not fully present with the patient who is in front of us so i would invite you to be fully present and connect with these patients who are suffering so much And when you don't know what to say, just ask them, what can I do for you? Wow, thank you so much. That is so powerful, actually. And I believe it's something that is um, being highlighted 
more and more in healthcare, mm-hmm. being present and asking yeah. the patient what we can do for them because they know more than we do actually. Although they've come to us for solution, for support, for help, they do know themselves, they know their bodies. And especially at that particular time when they are at a certain junction, you know, of what now? The yes. least we can do is to help them to not only find a solution but to come to terms with it, be prepared to move on and be prepared for what's on the other side, which the hope is that it will be answer to their dreams and their prayers and their um, hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On that amazing note, thank you very much, Andrea, for spending this precious moment with us and for sharing your amazing journey and the great things that you're doing for women, for couples, and, you know, and this is a global mission, isn't it, Andrea? Absolutely. It's a global mission. I want to help as many people as I can who are going through these challenges. And and that's why this platform, your podcast, is so important in reaching a lot of professionals who can hopefully help a lot of patients with our insight. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, our listeners as well. Don't forget to follow us. And when you do listen, don't forget to share and also to follow Andrea as well. Until next week when I'll bring you another amazing guest to share their precious moments with us. Have a good afternoon and thank you. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.